A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer, host of The Chemical Show. This week, I'm speaking with Jennifer Sadenwater, Managing Director of ESG Link. ESG is a hot topic, and Jennifer is going to be sharing a lot more about what it is and what chemical companies need to be thinking about and doing as it relates to that. Jennifer, welcome to The Chemical Show. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here this morning. Delighted to have you. So first of all, just tell us a little bit about ESG Link, your company that you guys have started. Sure. ESG Link was founded in 2018. We have the purpose of streamlining the sustainability reporting process. Oftentimes, we see these ESG reports with vast amount of information, and it isn't really useful to investors. So we focus on guiding our clients with disclosing sustainability metrics that are financially material to their business. Our backgrounds are in SEC financial reporting, and so we apply those same methods we would use with the financial reporting process to ESG reporting. And we believe in treating non-financial data with the same integrity that we would with financial data and in always having an audit trail to support the disclosures. Interesting. All right. We're going to get into some of that a little bit more because I think ESG is an area that especially since it's gotten so much highlight really over the last couple of years, there's like a lot of people that just frankly don't know much about it. So maybe you can just even tell us what is ESG? What does it really stand for? And what do people need to know about it? Well, ESG stands for, you know, environmental, social, and governance. But the way that I like to define ESG is connecting people to value that matters. So we know that organizations driven by a purpose or mission beyond profitability alone outperform their competition. So they may have more loyal customers, more engaged employees, and ultimately generate longer term value. So companies can do that and tell their story by publishing an ESG report. And it tells the reality and the whole story of a company financially and ESG related. It gives opportunities for brand differentiation, attraction and retention of top talent, provides opportunities for innovation, and helps to improve operational efficiencies in some areas. And then oftentimes, it gives them the ability to attract capital and increase their market valuation because investors are, are looking for companies that are considering these efforts in their everyday operations. Got it. So does this tie in? I always think of when I think of ESG, I think sustainability. And of course, sustainability has a whole wide variety of definitions and I think points of view. Is it the same as sustainability? Is it different than sustainability? The way that I look at it is that 
ESG are the metrics you can use that are specific and measurable to achieve sustainability. So looking at metrics that address environmental considerations, water, hazardous materials, you know, social considerations and your overall risk management and governance structure, those are measurable, measurable areas that in the long run, you can say we are a sustainable company because we've achieved X, Y, and Z and have progressed over time and improved our metrics in these areas. Got it. That's helpful. So, you know, I'm hearing a lot about ESG expectations and stuff. Are there greater expectations of ESG in certain industries, right? Is this really a consumer products issue? Is it an industrial manufacturing issue? Who cares and who really cares about the ESG or which industries really need to be thinking about it? I don't think it's more so on one industry versus another. I think each industry has a different role to play in within the ESG realm and how they're contributing to a better tomorrow. What's different is certain metrics that are material for some companies may be weighted more heavily you know, like let's say environmental considerations, whereas other industries may have a greater focus on human capital. But all in all, I mean, it takes a village to drive change and every industry needs to do their role in building a more sustainable future or global economy, depending upon what impacts them the most. So we all need to look at it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And do you see that ESG is having a real impact on investing or investor sentiment? Absolutely. So the majority of our prospective clients are coming to us because of investor requests and demands for more transparency around these ESG topics. We're also seeing trends of ESG information being more closely integrated within financial disclosures. So an example would be the SEC's rules on human capital disclosures that came out in the fourth quarter of 2020. And a lot of what they recommended were very closely or directly related to the types of social disclosures you would find within an ESG report. And this week, the SEC is collecting input on climate change disclosures. They're actually due this weekend on June 13th. So this includes asking the SEC to consider companies to permit them to disclose ESG matters and documents separate from their 10Ks and 10Qs. So what it means is if the SEC allows this flexibility, companies who are already issuing ESG reports would have minimal effort that they needed to comply with potential future SEC disclosure requirements. So I think for a while, ESG was thought of as a fad but we can clearly see it's not going away and has a high potential to become part of the mandatory reporting process. Got it. So does it tend to apply more to publicly traded companies as opposed to privately held companies? Is that what you guys are seeing? No, I think it's both. You know, public companies often are having it from their investors, but so are private. They both are and their boards are driving it. We see it with even private equity Private equity investors are publishing their own ESG reports, and that's trickling down to their portfolio companies because they want to see what are we investing in. So it's definitely both. And our client mix is definitely a mix of public and private. Got it. And how about from a region perspective? So you've referenced the SEC, which, of course, is a U.S.-centric agency. 
sustainability and a lot of those topics have been bigger in Europe. Is this a global topic? Is this a Western world topic? Which is there regional focuses on this? It's definitely global. There's the World Economic Forum, who we've talked about that. We've heard about them. The G, there are standards that are more U.S. focused, which we'll get into, or which are SASB. And then there are ones that are more broad and global focused. There's the U.N. Sustainable Development Goals. And I think all in all, oftentimes these types of topics are driven more heavily over in Europe. And the U.S. is a little bit behind. Right. So Europeans, companies have been reporting on these types of metrics for longer than U.S. And the U.S. is getting on board. But as one of the global leaders and global leaders in the economy, I think it's fabulous that the U.S. is now on board because a lot of these issues are global issues. And with ways that supply chains, you know, reach across the world. I mean, talking about one of the SASB topics is managing environmental and social impacts of your supply chain. So much trickles down and it's so cross-functional. It's definitely something that is not region specific. Got it. That's helpful. So, you know, when we, the other thing that people have asked me about as, you know, when I talked about this topic is does ESG actually help a company's performance? So if somebody is effective at managing ESG, are they also performing better? financially, well, financially, right? Because I think that's the metric a lot of that we use. That's an easy metric to use. But what do you see with that? So I think in order to truly look at trends, the reporting on ESG maybe hasn't been around quite long enough to look at trends from time over time. But I can tell you that when companies focus on those metrics that are financially material to them, you will see improvement because, as I mentioned earlier, one of the benefits is improving operational efficiencies. We've seen with companies who are reporting on GHG emissions, for instance, you know, when they actually go out to their assets and start doing some direct measurement because they want to report emissions and realize we need some, we need to upgrade some of this equipment. We need to do maintenance to with the intent to minimize emissions, but ultimately it's affecting their operational efficiencies and they're not they can be much more efficient with those assets. But it, it was the re- the original driver was to report on those metrics. And then the end result has much more benefit to it. Got it. Makes sense. So, you know, we touched on this a little bit already, but chemical companies have for years have been focused on sustainability. It continues to be a, a trend that is a, a trend of increasing importance, a lot more going on with that. And they've been doing sustainability reports, many companies for years. So does that, does the ESG reports replace sustainability reports? Do they flange together? How do you see that fitting in? So a lot of companies, you're right, have a great story to tell. And they've been looking at these metrics and measuring them long before the term ESG was commonplace. And I think now the focus is on effectively communicating their story in an organized way and using standards that allow year-over-year comparisons so companies can show progress and benchmark against their peers. So I think it's a matter of if you've been issuing these reports in the past, you know, once you adopt a framework, you can see where the gap is on what you have been reporting versus what the framework is asking you to report. And many times 
there's quite a bit of overlap. So yeah, I think it's just organizing that and putting it in a way that focus it, making sure you're focusing on those metrics that are financially material to your company. Got it. Makes sense. So are there actually reporting standards on this, right? So particularly in the last six months or so, it seems like there's a number of what I would consider accounting-based organizations that are trying to either own that space, place standards, claim standards for ESG reporting, et cetera. And then just this week, as we're recording this podcast, I know two of the big organizations have announced an intent to merge. So it gives me this question of who's really governing ESG and setting standards? That's a great question because it can be very confusing. So as we know, ESG reporting is not currently regulated and it's completely voluntary. So companies have their pick when it comes to how they report and which standards they choose to report under. The ESG ecosystem is filled with a myriad of acronyms. We actually published a white paper on this topic titled Navigating the ESG Ecosystem. And I would be happy to share that paper, you know, with any of your listeners who are interested. That would be good. We can probably include a link in the show notes to that. That would be helpful. Sure. It's super helpful because the acronyms make it very confusing. But at ESG Link, we recommend companies report under SASB standards or the standards issued by the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. The reason being is that SASB standards are industry-specific and are focused on metrics that yield the most decision-useful information for investors. And it is true that the IIRC and SASB, so the IIRC is the International Integrated Reporting Council, and SASB, they merged just yesterday, became effective to create an entity called the Value Reporting Foundation. And the purpose of the Value Reporting Foundation is to deliver a more coherent corporate reporting system by working closely with, I'll throw out another acronym, the IFRS, which is the International Financial Reporting Standards, working with them and other leading framework providers and standard setters around the world to make an entity that will regulate this. Because it's very difficult even to peer benchmark, for instance, because there's little nuances with different standards and it's hard to compare yourself to peers when everyone isn't reporting on the same data. But SASB allows for that. And it's also focused on metrics that a company typically already collects. So it's very cost effective for a company to implement those standards and report on them. Makes sense. Makes sense. So what do chemical companies really need to know or do to start measuring and reporting on ESG? Well, I think chemical companies most likely already collect data. So the lots of, of data too, typically lots and lots, lots of data. Lots of data. So they may have it. They just, again, need to know how to organize it. So topics considered material for a chemical company would include items like GHG emissions, of course, their energy management, water, wastewater management, waste hazardous materials, labor practices. They're going to collect all of that data. Absolutely. Yeah. So using a set of standards like SASB to see specifically what about the data they need to report and organizing that in a way, developing the narratives to tell their story is best practice. Got it. Who do you find in the companies that you guys work with? I guess there's, you know, I would say who cares about this? And I know everybody does, but who's really focused on it? Who owns ESG? 
typically in the companies that you guys work with? What do you see? So it varies. It really does. We work with the CFO a lot of times. We work with general counsels. We work with investor relations. Because a lot of companies don't typically have a sustainability reporting team. And so oftentimes we become their outsourced sustainability reporting team. But part of our name, ESG Link, is because we do link the different corporate functions involved within the process and coordinate that with all of them. That's helpful. Good. So how do you guys actually, so ESG Link, you guys have been doing some great work, I know, with a variety of companies. How do you actually help them navigate the land of ESG? What do you do when you come in and help figure out an ESG report? Yeah, so we use the sustainability reporting process as a guide to help them define their strategy. So many companies believe they need to have a comprehensive ESG strategy in place before initiating their reporting process, but it's not true. The conversations that need to happen when drafting the narratives and collecting and analyzing the data, it reveals both the strengths and the weaknesses around a company's existing ESG practices. And all companies want to identify sources of value where they stand out. And a focus on ESG is a natural way that they can differentiate themselves in the market, And we find that an analysis of ESG information alongside financial information, both internal and external reporting, helps them get a more comprehensive view of the opportunities and risks that are facing them and their industry. They can use that information to increase their value, gain additional capital, better manage risk, position for growth, secure best talent, because a lot of the workforce entering today are very concerned about these topics. And they want to make sure they're going to work for a company that complements their own personal values. So it's a win-win scenario. (laughs) That makes sense. Well, and it's, and I think what's interesting is it sounds like part of the whole process of getting to the ESG report is also a bit of a gap analysis or a risk analysis. So people can, and companies can have an execution plan that they know that they want to improve upon, take action on, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. So, and one of the first steps we do is we'll look at the SASB standards recommended for their industry and lay them out. And we'll go down each one and find out which metrics are you already collecting data on? What does that data look like? And you know, sometimes a company doesn't have enough data to fully disclose what the metric is asking. And that's okay. That's what we say. Right. That is okay. You need to start somewhere. You need to have a baseline. And that helps you develop your roadmap for the future of where you need better data collection, more data collection, where you need to improve performance. And it really helps that first inaugural report really helps set the stage for the direction that they need to go in the future. Awesome. That's really helpful. Jennifer, this has been great talking with you today. I appreciate you joining the Chemical Show. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or have we covered it all? I think we've covered it all. I'm really passionate about this topic. I think companies can really drive change while also creating value for themselves in this space. It's rewarding to help those companies often that come just to check the box. And at the end of the project, 
they realize the value in it. And that is personally satisfying to see that happen. And it's exciting to be part of the journey with them. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. So how can people um, get in touch with you or get in touch with ESG Link? Sure. They can visit our website, esglinklynk.com. They can drop me an email, jstatenwater at esglink.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that anyone has. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening in on today's episode of The Chemical Show. Thank you. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.